Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Hopefully you guys got a chance to get, uh, or everyone got a sticker from the Vision Sunday from last week. We had these stickers this week, and you can put that anywhere you'd want. Just to remind you that God's love ran to us. It runs to each other, it runs together, and it runs to the city. Uh, So that's a reminder. We're going to actually have a whole series on the vision of Love Runs 2 in August. And we're going to lead right up in September. First week in September, we're going to do the Love the City week again. And so if you were a part of that last year, it was crazy. It was awesome. It's a week where we want to paint really wide. And so throughout the year, we have really deep interactions and we're building relationships at schools and in the city. And and we're all loving the city as life we go as it's going and we're the good news where life exists. And we just kind of just go through that rhythm. And then specifically, we want to paint really wide every once in a while and just, man, let as many people to know that God loves them. I think last year we handed out a thousand little bags that were about $5 with the goodies in them in a card that said, we just want you to know in the small gift that you're loved, you belong, and you have purpose. And it just brightened people's day, started up conversations. We went to all kinds of places. We went to uh, most of the medical marijuana shops. We went to the barber shops. We uh, sent a team into the deja vu. It was awesome. So when you think about where are they going, that's where we're going. And we're going even more. We want to do even more stuff. So this, man, get ready for all that God is doing in that. Today, we are going to continue all of me for all of you. It's quite a dangerous thought that you would be so vulnerable to trust your life and the existence and your future with somebody. It's extremely vulnerable. And that's what we're getting ready to talk about this morning is the beauty of that the covering, the protection, and actually the freedom that is found in that and the security. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity we have today as a family to grow. Man, let us never get lost in a light, in a song. Let us only see a light in a song to get lost in you, to be found in you. Today, we pray that heaven would show up in each one of our lives. God, you care so uniquely about each individual here. And you also care that we would grow roots together like redwoods, that we would be strong to withstand storms of life. They'd be rooted and connected. None could take us out because our cornerstone position is found in you. In Jesus, we pray, amen. When you read about Jesus, he's pretty startling. And so the, the fu- fuzzy, warm Jesus, he, he, we have interactions of that, but Jesus is pretty bold and he gets all up in your junk. He's in your business nonstop. He's asking you to get rid of stuff. He's, he's telling people, look, you got to go into the city and if they don't receive you, go to the next city. And who's my mom and my, my brothers? They're the ones that do the will of the Father. And if you start to see Jesus from that lens alone, you think he's so intense and, he, and, and he's not approachable and connected of somebody that's safe. This guy is volatile. But then you see this compassionate Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. The ultimate compassion that he's becoming the substitute for the penalty that's due our sin. He's standing in the gap. And he cares so much about his mom and his mom. He even tells one of his followers to look after his mom. Take care of her. He cares deeply. What he was trying to do is find out what is the rank in our heart. 
So you think of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Everywhere we go, we're always making decisions based upon checklists of, of how we judge a situation on whether I want to commit or not. Some of you might be coming to City Life for the first time. You've had a filter. You have a checklist. You're thinking, can I commit? Do I want to invest all of me in this place? Do I want to invest some of you even on the dream team or you've been coming here for a year? You're thinking, do I want to even invest part of me? Can I give all of me? And here's why. Because we have been tainted from a whole bunch of nonsense and hurt a lot. It's hard to trust somebody. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, he's saying, trust me exclusively. It's pretty bold. And we're going to look at an interaction this morning that you're going to see a contrast of how two crowds look at Jesus differently. And in fact, one individual walks away from Jesus and isn't compelled to join the mission. We're in Luke 18. We're looking at the young, rich ruler. We're picking it up from verse 18. It said, one day, one of the local officials asked him, this is the young, rich ruler. Now, young, rich ruler... That means he has some status, some posture, some weight. And if anyone Jesus should recruit to grow the mission, it's this guy. Because isn't that what a good church planter would do? Is if somebody's got a bunch of cash, start to say, hey, here's how we can get you in. Why don't you come on part of the team? And here, let me modify it for you and make it real easy. Jesus, our great leader, our great high priest, the one has redeemed us. He sets the pace of what this could look like. We don't compromise. In fact, he gets a little bold because he recognizes that this individual isn't just approaching him for a discussion in genuine intention. It's now introdu introduced with a form of flattery like this. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to get in? Sounds like a very simple question. But the fact that he's asking good teacher right there alone, there's a bit of flattery, as Jesus would have understood it. And Jesus being all God, fully man and present, he's able to discern and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you basing morals on? Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good. Only God. And so God is where all our morality comes from that would be holy and existing forever. And so he is the standard, and Jesus sets that standard and says, hey, it's God. You know the commandments, don't you? No illicit sex, no killing, no stealing, no lying. Honor your father and mother. Just pause it for a minute. That's pretty weighty. Anyone ever broken any of that stuff? Whew. No show of hands. <laughs> Just know this, every hand's up. And if you didn't raise your hand... It's okay, maybe you're the young rich ruler this morning. God wants to change something in you. We're all guilty and broken. And this individual, he says, I've kept all those as long as I can remember. He's got a good resume, good track record. And then in verse 22, when Jesus heard that, he said, then there's only one thing left to do, able to discern his heart. Sell everything you own and give it away to the poor. You will have riches in heaven. Then come, follow me. Pause. Sell everything you have, super rich person. Give it to the poor. But by the way, I'm going to give you a claim. This is an infomercial right now. I'm going to give you a claim that you will have riches in heaven. So come and follow me. Talk about this is, could have the seeds of a cult if you're not careful. 
right? This is the magic juice potion. When somebody says, join my multi-level marketing, it's fine. We'll get 10 download people. And by the way, you're going to be rich. You'll have four extra thousand dollars a month. It'll be good. You'll be able to get everything you ever wanted. You know, just do this one thing and make a list of all your friends. You're going to call them and we are going to dominate. It sounds too good to be true what Jesus is saying for a minute. He's saying you're going to have riches that will last forever. Heavenly riches. So come and follow me. But he's so tied to his money. See, it's too good to be true. There's an there's a equation that takes place for, for any type of buying that we have. We all make this when we're purchasing something. If you're purchasing a watch, washer, you're purchasing a home, here's the equation. It's when the perceived value exceeds the asking price, then the sale takes place. Perceived value exceeds the asking price equals the sale taking place. Everything you've ever bought, you had a perceived value that it exceeded how much money you spent on it, and then the sale took place, and then you realized next month when the new ads came out, you got ripped off and there was a sale. And then when you bought it on sale, sometimes you actually really, you just bought it because your perception was, I need this thing. So they were so good at marketing it to you. Is this what Jesus is doing here? Is he trying to just paint a picture of perceived value that's greater than the asking price? Jesus is starting to draw a line in the sand. What's the kingdom hype? What's the kingdom like? What's the buzz about? See, our reaction is a response to our perceived value. Every time we react, if I threw a ball, it would just be your natural reaction. Either catch it or try to catch it, hit, your, hit you in the face maybe. And your perceived value of your face is you don't want the ball to hit you. You want to catch the ball. Perceived value of if a, you found yourself dating and you wanted to propose, the perceived value was it is worth my life. She is awesome. And this exceeds whatever type of commitment I got to make because I'm thinking about the sale at the end. And that just, in your probably thinking about the honeymoon stage and then you didn't get the full picture. So then, then the perceived value at some time started to go down a little bit, but that's not us. That's not us. <laughs> that's, uh, we've never had those moments. Sarcastic, if you're listening to this, um, hashtag. Now, Crystal, she's um, not the most expressive extrovert, especially early on in our marriage. And there was this moment when she was at Jackson National Life. So she worked for several years and it was awesome just carrying weight of the family. Now she carries weight, literally like the twins on her back and diapers. And um, she used to smell like perfume. Now it smells like diapers. And <laughs> Sometimes what? Except on Sundays. Yeah. Thank God for Kid City. Thank you, Pastor Zach and the team back there. Jesus. I've heard, I've heard the, the kids who cry the most are our twins. In fact, I think somebody even planted a little bit of a seed. They were like, hey, is there any other thing? Um, so what can we do to help the twins? Wait, should we? Are you trying to not have them in there today? I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, where was that? All right. So Chris is at, Crystal's at Jackson National Life. And we had this, uh, they had this, what's, uh, it was, some convention that it was speaking, Lou Holtz was at. And I heard Lou Holtz was there. Now, Lou Holtz, I have been inspired by. 
Now, Lou Holtz at Notre Dame with Rocket Ishmael. I don't know if anyone's old enough for him. Remember Rocket Ishmael? He carried the ball, kick return. He's gone, okay? Dude is gone. Rahib Ishmael. He was, I loved him. I had a custom hat, Rocket. And so I remember following Lou back then, but Lou didn't mean much more to me. Rocket meant more to me. But as I got older, I remember watching an interview of Lou Holtz and hearing about his commitment to God and hearing about his commitment behind the scenes. And it inspired me so deeply in that particular situation that when I heard Lou Holtz was there, I said, babe, we got on the phone. I said, babe, you got to do something for me. She goes, what, what, what? I said, our checkbook, it has Ohio State football cover because my dad uh, was from Ohio. And if you've met everybody anyone from Ohio, they're belligerently Buckeye fans. And so he got me this thing. It's a check holder. And since then, the Lord's been sanctifying how high Ohio State is in our household. So if you're wondering, where's Ohio State at? Look, my kids root for Michigan State. All right, we live, okay, there you go. So just, shh. And so the Ohio State checkbook, I said, you got to take it up to him. Tell him, my husband is so impressed by you. You have inspired him and he wants to thank you. And he's a Buckeye fan and that's all. And see if he'll sign your checkbook. And so Crystal you're panicking on the phone a little bit. Are you serious? I don't, so I don't know if she did it. She's like, okay, bye. I'll see if I can. Well, she comes back. She gets the checkbook sign and said, hey, uh, I heard you're a true champion. Just like the, uh, just like the Buckeyes, go Buckeyes, Lou Holes. And I'm like, wow, this thing is awesome. I'm a true champion. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, thank you, Lou. But then Lou goes a little bit further in the reaction they have. They actually take a picture together. Check this out. So I'm not sure if this was uh, what was happening here. And uh, so I, hey, I'm Lou, Lou and my wife. The point is she reacted because in that particular moment, the perceived value of being there for me exceeded what I was asking her and out of her comfort zone to go make some change and some adjustment. So she sealed the deal. She made the sale. She helped the situation become real and true. She reacted. I love the word reaction because action alone feels almost just exhausting. Oh, I gotta act, I gotta act. React is, man, something has motivated me deeply that now I am so compelled that I have to react. I'm so deeply motivated. I'm so compelled. I'm so, wow, I'm gonna do something about it. My kids, we go to Chuck E. Cheese, they react in seconds. Not thinking, they could be with another parent. Hey, where'd you go? That's not your parents. What is that happening? Stressed out, stress levels high. Played basketball on Sunday night. I made the mistake to bring uh, my two oldest sons on the sideline. I The first time I played basketball in months, but also with my kids, it's the first time I think I've ever played with them running on the sideline. So there's two competing frequencies the whole time. Dad mode, basketball mode. Dad mode, I'm just, okay, you guys sit down. Please sit down, please sit down, please, please. They're reacting to their environment. Check this out. How's the young rich ruler going to react? Verse 23. This was the last thing the official expected to hear. Jesus just proposed something that seemed too good to be true to him. He said that, hey, if you sell everything, you get out of your comfort zone and you give it all away, I'm going to give you riches in heaven. So he must not have been compelled by the offer he was very rich and he became terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. I think what's easy this morning is to read stories and say, wow, 
can't believe that individual wouldn't follow Jesus. Jesus just promised him that he have riches. How could he hold on so tight when he was in the presence of the greatest? How could he hold on so tight? And even those in Christ this morning, maybe you haven't held out so tight to your life where you've given it to Christ, you've experienced that new life, that newfound freedom, that grace of God that is not built upon anything you and me have ever done. But I think there's some things we hold tight because when he comes for them and he asks and he starts to stir up and get in our Wheaties, he's in our business He's all up in there. And the word all is really big. Somebody has to have the authority to even ask for that. And we're holding on so tight. God, I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to give this. I don't want to be invested. I can't love again. I can't show up and be a part of the dream team. Last church hurt me. I can't be invested. My marriage is so hard because we just fight every single day. And we find ourselves holding on so tight, so tight, so tight. I think God is saying today, let it go. Let it go. And as you let it go, what you'll find is the promise we get at the end of this little passage. Now, seeing his reaction, now his reaction was not like Crystal with Lou Holtz in the picture where she made it happen. Thank you. Where is that thing anyways? It's in our file cabinet. That's, it's valuable, obviously, right? Where is that thing anyways? Seeing his reaction, Jesus said, do you have any idea how difficult it is for the people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? And if you aren't careful here, what you could start to think is Jesus has laid out a position of how he can obtain right status with God. You think, oh, well, that, this is, oh, it has to be action to get right with God. Now what he's doing is he's showing the condition of the heart. I'd say it's easier for a thread of a camel through a needle's eye than a rich person into God's kingdom. Now, a rich person can mean monetary, but you could also be rich in your abilities and not trust in the one who can give you it all. Because if we really think of who we are in light of who Christ is, we are poor. Not just poor, we're dead. We don't got Christ, we're dead. Then who has any chance at all, the others ask? That's a great question. And it makes me think, Jesus, why are you so serious? Why so serious, Jesus? What are you so intense about? And there's three things that I believe why Jesus can lean in so deeply about somebody's even possessions. You say you can't talk about in public, religion, and politics, or it gets a little intense. I find it interesting that you can't talk about these things in public, people would say. What rules the world? Religion and politics. And so we talk about it behind closed doors. And now one of the things about the internet is we have become quarterbacks from our couch. We are prolific and proficient at typing anything, saying our angle, hey, you know, I, I read a tweet. You might have read satire, which is false news, right? And now we're promoting that, leading people in directions and chaos. You know what? One of the things I love about back in the day we have a new school series coming up this summer. And new school meaning this, we're turning a page back to when people mattered more than just uh, technology, where we could throw a ball and hang out with and feel a little bit better than we did if we just isolated and looked at TV all day. I love playing video games as a kid, but I know this, I love you more and it's harder to lean in with each other, but I always feel better because that's how God had designed and wired me to be. It's connected, you and me. As we think about this, Jesus can be so serious and here's why he's so serious. 
because he understands that he's the soul doctor and he is giving us the truth of our condition. The truth of our condition isn't just that we need help, it's that we're dead. If you've ever been around a family at the last stages of someone's life and maybe there's some type of medical impact the team can make. So the surgeons could come in and everyone's trying to do everything to save the individual's life. We gotta do it. And, and parents would even sign off on some studies of, let me just try this experimental drug because it might save your child's life. And those moments just, yeah, please, please, please. The reaction is so intense because they wanna save the life. Now Jesus is saying, look, you're dead. That's the condition of you apart from regeneration. Sin isn't something just we do, we're born into it. And so we all carry that. We're all looking for the freedom of this pain and this torment of sin. And so Jesus understands that he can lean in because he knows the truth of our condition. Secondly, he has authority to say such bold claims. So we can't look at Jesus this morning and just look at him as a teacher we have to consider his claims that he says, I am the way, which leads us to the exclusivity of Christ, that he's the only way. It's challenging, it's hard, especially if you're somebody who wants to be in charge. Because Jesus is saying this, first things first is me. The first things first is Jesus. He's setting the stage and it makes me think about Matthew 6, This chapter has been so profound to my life because security in the world is where I tried to find my worth and my attention and the rhythm of it and my security. And he's saying in this chapter, look, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. I take care of the birds. I take care of the land. I'm gonna take care of you. And in fact, in Matthew 6, this is the password I said to all my stuff. And here's why this could be your password to all your stuff. I really believe this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, how we want to read it is, all these things will be added to you, like the infomercial, come with us, you'll be rich. And then you just got to work a little bit, and you'll make $3,000 extra a month. You, you haven't had any meetings like that? Am I the only one? I've had at least 40. And if you do that, that's awesome. But the truth is, that's, that's a good entry door. But when you get in the house, you realize, wow, this thing needs a lot of demolition repair. I'm gonna have to work. We have to work. God made us that way, the rhythm of work and rest. And so how we wanna read this is getting to the things, how do I grab out of this? But God is wanting us to read it as, no, I'm the center, I'm everything. Seek me first. And what you'll find is in my righteousness, in my qualities and my abilities, God is telling us that what you'll find is all the things you were ever looking for. I believe God is asking us for all of us today and we get all of him. And so he's coming to the young rich ruler and saying, hey, you can have all of me, everything, all the riches, just give me all of you. And so what I found with you is that your money was tied to your heart. And since it's tied to your heart, I want you to go out and express why I came. I want you to tie your resources to the poor and then come back because what you didn't recognize was you were poor even when you approached me. He might've approached him a little differently if he was recognizing what Jesus came for. He came to seek and save that which was, was lost. Who was lost? You and me. That's awesome. If you have letters and you put them in the wrong order, we're in trouble. You could take the letter G and an O and a D and you put them in the wrong letter, G, uh, G, O, D, right? You put it in the wrong letters. What did you have? Don't get it backwards. God is not our dog. It's a cute puppy, right? <laughs> it's a cute puppy, but it's not our God. 
It's not our God. And it's just a fun, cute way to say this. If God isn't at the center of everything, we will never be fulfilled. He is the fulfillment. In verse 26, then who has any chance at all, the others asked. No chance at all, Jesus said. This is good. Because he is not laying out any type of perceived value anymore. Look, you want to clarify this even further? No one has any chance. This is why the good news is so great. Is where we say you belong here. All races, all economic background. Doesn't matter where you came from, you belong here. Someone asked me this week, what does you belong here mean? Does that mean city life is the only place that people can belong? I said, no, no, no. What I believe is that means is that's what God's been telling mankind is that you belong here in the kingdom of God through my son, Jesus, and that you can be made what I originally intended you to be, which is kings and queens and royalty ruling and taking dominion under the authority of God and through the exclusivity, the only way, through Jesus. And so Jesus, we know that he backs up his claim by raising from the dead and confirming to his followers. And Jesus says this, if you think you can pull it off by yourself, there's no chance at all, right? Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Peter tried to regain some initiative. We left everything we owned and followed you, didn't we? That could be us today. Maybe you've known Jesus for 30 years and you felt, God, I've left everything I've owned and followed you. Why have you not paid up? Where's the things? He says, yes, said Jesus, and you won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed home, spouse, brothers and sisters and parents and children, whatever, will lose out. It will all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime and then the bonus of eternal life. What he lays out for us is not a sales equation. It's the great exchange. He says, all of me for all of you. And even in Christ, what we could start to do is come to God with a checklist and say, God, when are you gonna fill this box? I'm so grateful to God that he doesn't answer my prayers. He does sometimes. But if he would answer my prayers, I'd probably been married to my ex-girlfriend. But she's awesome. God bless her. But that's what I prayed for. And God knew better and brought me crystal. What is it today that you have a checklist with God and God's saying, hey, I want you to burn that sucker because I want you to just fall before me. And what you'll find is I will lead you because I'm a good leader. And I'm not just a leader. I am the one who made you. In fact, I knew you all the way back in the beginning. And so when he's saying those that have left this world behind, what he's meaning is those that put their confidence in this world. He loves when we partake in family. He delights in it. He created it. We show God's glory when we're united in our families. We show the presence and the glory of God in our homes and, and this as a home as well. And then all the homes and all the great churches all across the whole globe that are pointing to the eternal home that we'll have, that are bringing redemptive elements now in the cities we live in, dominating always the great exchange. All of God is always the better exchange. Today, holding tight to something, let it go. All of God is always the better exchange. First Thessalonians 2 is a clarification of response of how individuals hear the word of God. And today, I think we have a, con a, a response, a conviction, a reaction to say, okay, is this Jerome talking or is this God talking? Because the same words that are being spoke here is the same words I sit under 
and that I'm thinking about throughout my week. And God cares so intimately about encouraging me and he uses you to do that. And hopefully he's using me to empower and encourage you and that we're in this together as the body of Christ. And we sit under this and we have to think, is this the word of God? Is Jesus' words, words of God in life? And I believe it to be absolutely true. Verse 13, it says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a word of men, but as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers, us, believers. If you don't know Jesus today, you can just share in that. It's simply as believing and receiving the word of God. And so the young rich ruler, his job description laid out by Jesus was to liberate him so that he could receive grace, not that he could go earn salvation and position with God, that he could just accept who Jesus was. And as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. That's the response in the reaction. So we think about, hey, Crystal, will you Go talk to Lou. Yeah. If I throw a ball, oh, catch it. Response here in God's word, react. I want, I'm in. I love this. I want new life. I want forgiveness. I, I don't want to hold on to anything anymore. I'm so sick of the shame. I'm sick of the guilt. And what Jesus is trying to lay out is people with a lot of resources, they can kind of hide that and mask that. It's the Truman Show. Everything looks good on the outside, but it's not good, fam. God looks at your heart. You can run, but you can't hide. And that's why when he's showing up in the most dark, desolate places, the people already knew we can't find hope here. You have hope. You have the words of life. Your words are true. They're never ending. We will not thirst in you. We will want to eat and our bellies will get hungry. But what our spirit nourishes, we will never thirst again in Christ. That is what is happening here as we become imitators. There's three ways that we can respond to be imitators of God this morning. To respond, as you see, in such a powerful way with Peter and them, he tells them that they will have eternal life. Then who has no chance? And Jesus says, and who will regret it? And he tells them that you'll be multiplied many times in your lifetime. And then the bonus of eternal life, that's an awesome promise. And the way we can respond to that is I wanna be rooted in Christ. I'm gonna join the team. I want to be rooted in the family of God here at City Life. You'll find that you'll come alive being connected to God's bride. You'll come alive being connected to the family of God. As you serve people and help them belong, as you'll actually grow. Secondly, you can be in, I wrote the Dreamcast down, so mark that on your calendars. March 26th, we're going to have a Dreamcast off-site uh, right after service here and we will be sharing what's coming up at Easter. And then secondly, get in community. And if you notice, this is one, two, three. Why is God's, God's word last? It's not last, it's first. But God's word alone, I don't think that's what God wants of you. Too often we just see Jesus alone. Jesus wants you to be connected. And he gives you the ultimate intimacy that you can have access any given time personal devo, you can have access anytime. It's so, so beautiful about the gospel. But sometimes we just have that intimate access that we never grow and connect it. And so just to kind of flip it upside down a little bit and say, I think when you connect to people, you'll start connecting even more to God's word and you'll start to realize maybe you're not reading that passage correctly. Connect to God's word, get in a community group and we have the Get Rooted manual for you in the hallway. 
So is this too good to be true? Grace is too good to be true. It seems like, but the truth is grace is too good. And that we react with all of us and we gain all of Jesus. We trade all we have for all of Jesus is eternally good. Game, set, match. So as we conclude and we think of all of us for all of him, it's not like any relationship you've had in the world where you feel vulnerable and you can't show your real colors or your real side. And maybe you've even been married to somebody for 10 years and they don't even know everything about you and it's hard. And you hit those stages in your rhythm and you have to walk through that and it's challenging because you're trusting somebody else that might be battling something as well. But if you're ultimately submitted to God, then you're already affirmed that God has already said yes. He's already said amen. He's already signed the signature on your life. And if we're looking for approval for somebody else, what we find is that we already have approval from God and that's all that matters. Therefore, we're able to withstand any storms of life that comes. And so all of us, for all of me, is the greatest daily bread that we could ever have. Because we don't know how the story always unfolds. We don't know when and where God's gonna provide, but I know this, that God's provide. He does. Look at your life. God's shown up so many times. Shift the perspective, get some vision. The ability to see beyond what we see. Hasn't he probably redeemed some situations that he shouldn't have? Hasn't he forgiven you in ways that you didn't even think was possible? He accepted you when nobody else would. You were sitting there all alone and God showed up in your dungeon and he said, come here. He was the one that when your house was on fire, he knocked down the door and came and ran and got you. The steadfast love has been pursuing you the whole time. The great exchange didn't just come. We didn't come to him. He actually found us when we were dead and he regenerates us and he says, come on. And when people, when they hear that, it's so good. How could you not react? How could you not react? And so that's, that's the proposition we have this morning. That's the layout. All of us for all of God, and we get everything we ever wanted, which is ultimately Him. He is the end to the road. God, I pray today for your bride. You care deeply about each person here. God, I'm so encouraged that You've used people in the last 24 hours, four different people to encourage me. When I was feeling frustrated, feeling like I'm hitting walls, I'm not understanding the tension I was feeling, they used people to encourage me. And what that reminds me is you care so deeply about every iota that is going on in each one of us. And as simple as a conversation right before church, just asking somebody if they want to be involved in something, and then you could just feel the power of God and tears started flowing. Why? Because God is so intimate in all of the details, and He's intimate in all of the details in your life today. And it doesn't happen necessarily how you think, but look up. And what you'll find is God is right there. God, I pray today that there would be perspective shifts. I pray those that are struggling and battling in sin would say, Jesus, I give you my life. I don't know where this goes, but like Peter, we're just following you. We trust you because your words are true. You're the only one who offers such radical forgiveness. God, we pray that you would 
mess up our lives in a way of the seriousness of the gospel that is so deeply connected to what we have, how we respond with people, how we imitate who you are and follow you and how we connect with people. Just wreck us today. We need you. We don't want it to be another seven days again before we feel, oh, thank you. Yes, oh, I want to get to church again. No, no, no. We are the church when we leave this place. The church when we get in our cars. Church at home. Church sometimes when we're struggling, say, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm not the good news, but let me talk to you about the good news. I pray today we'd be liberated in that freedom. We'd find hope and forgiveness in you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.